Well, good morning. I want to share with you today some thoughts on the world that we're living in. And I'm sure you're probably exhausted of being lectured at, being uh, scolded, hearing both sides, social media, news. But I want to share with you today the Christian perspective on where we find our world and maybe help you process how you're feeling simply from the perspective of Jesus Christ and his word, the Bible. I'm not going to share a political agenda. I'm not going to share a socioeconomic agenda. I'm going to share with you how Jesus responded to the times that we live in. See, our public discourse about the economy, terrorism, immigration, healthcare, xenophobia, sexual orientation, violence, poverty, it's sunk to nothing but name-calling, vilifying, and raw anger. And what we're dealing with is not an American problem. It's a human problem. You can go to India, you can go to Saudi Arabia, you can go to Latin America. All over the globe, there are oppressed people and there are people that sinfully treat them wrong. But you and I are called by Jesus to love our neighbor and to deal with those that we are in close proximity to. And so I want I know how some of you think. You roll your eyes and you say, that old Bible book, what does it have to do with the real world that we live in today? But you would be amazed how closely the ancient story of Jesus matches with our current situation. The first thing that was going on is there was a ruthless political imbalance. In 63 BC, the Romans, the Italians, came over and occupied Judea. They were racially, religiously, and culturally different. There were elite Jewish uh, members of society who were co-opted by Rome. They joined the establishment. They oppressed their fellow citizens to financially prosper. And so much of the life of Jesus is the context of him living in an oppressed society, of the raw police power of the Romans, the explo exploitation of the poor, and the different political elites that all manipulated the general population. Make no doubt about it, there was racial injustice in the world that Jesus ministered in. That's why several of the stories that he tells are powerful for the time that we live in today. The story of the Good Samaritan that most of us are familiar with is a story about somebody crossing racial barriers. The story of the woman at the well is a story of someone crossing religious and cultural barriers and loving their neighbor. In the book of Acts in the early Christian church, one of the motifs is there were Roman citizens and Roman citizens were part of the empowered elite, the preferred class of people. Before there was white privilege, there was Roman privilege. And Roman citizens oftentimes could get away with murder. They could get away with mistreatment of slaves, with abusing slaves. Jesus lived and breathed and walked in that time. Oh, and there was economic exploitation. Do you know one of the 12 
disciples of Jesus was a man named Matthew. And Matthew was a tax collector. He was part of what some would call the deep state. He was a Jew, but he had cooperated with the Romans to become rich by exploiting his fellow countrymen and exploiting the poor. The fourth group were violent anti-government zealots. You see, the region that Jesus grew up in, the region of Galilee, that was a hotbed of insurrection against Rome. When Jesus was a child, there was a very famous uh, zealot, some would call him a terrorist, named Judas of Galilee. And he encouraged people when Jesus was a boy to not register with the Romans. And anybody who registered with the Romans, if you were a Jew, Judas of Galilee would burn your house down and steal your cattle. And the Romans knew the region that Jesus came from was a hotbed of terrorism. And remember how I said there was Matthew, the tax collector, who was a political elite who exploited the people for money. There was also at the same table with Jesus, Simon the Zealot. And the Zealots were homegrown terrorists looking to drive Rome out of Judea. They relied on assassination and guerrilla tactics. And by the way, here's something to think about. Many uh, Bible uh, theologians believe that many of the original disciples were reformed terrorists, protesters, anti-government people. And here's, here's a very interesting story. There was a group of people called the Sicarii. They were in the ancient world, people trying to drive the oppressive Roman government out of Judea. And what the Sicarii did was they would stab Roman officials. They would assassinate sympathizers. Isn't that brutal? Here's a very interesting story. Do you remember in the Garden of Gethsemane when uh, the soldiers came? I believe it was the high priest soldiers came to get Jesus. And do you remember that Peter almost instantly cuts off one of the soldiers' ears? How is somebody able to handle a knife that well if they're just a normal, uh, ordinary fisherman? Very likely, we don't know this, but some have speculated that even Simon Peter, uh, before he met Jesus, had been an anti-government protester. And so all of the Gospels, all of the G teachings of Jesus are set with the backdrop that looks very similar to the polarizing tensions that you and I are experiencing today. And Jesus both confronted, befriended, and transformed all of these dynamics. And he did so based on how he was able to love his neighbor and teach us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Like I told you before, I'm not here to explain politics. I'm not here to make the horrible choice of Democrat or Republican. I'm not here with a socioeconomic plan. I'm here to share with you three teachings that Jesus gave us that specifically apply to the world that we're living in. And the first is this. In Matthew 7, 4 through 5, Jesus said, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. 
First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You see, the first thing the gospel requires of you and I before you rage against the rioters, before you rage against the police, before you rage against all of the evil people that are out there, before you quickly and easily virtue signal your holiness by putting a meme on social media, Jesus requires you and I, before we seek to give advice to anybody else, to look at our own souls, to look at our own lives, to honestly evaluate the fact that, you know what, I'm a hypocrite and so are you. To know that I'm inconsistent and so are you. To know that I do things that are unfair and unjust in my own life and before I start telling other people how to act, I need to look at my own soul. How I treat my friends, how I treat my family, how I treat those that are around me. A time of self-examination. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't advocate for justice, and it doesn't mean that we don't advocate for peace. But it means before we do so, we have a very cognitive reality that we all are sinners at the feet of Jesus. We all are broken people in need of mercy and in need of grace. I heard somebody say one time about misplaced anger. We get mad at our kids, mad at our spouse, mad at our boss, mad at the news, mad at the politicians. You want something to get angry about? Look in the mirror and look at your own shortcomings and how quick we are to expect perfection from others when we ourselves have many, many broken pieces and inconsistencies in our own life. So I just want to pause right now. I want you to take a moment and kind of reflect to confess maybe to God your own sin, to confess a quickness to remove a, a speck of, of, of dust from your neighbor's eye without dealing with issues in your own life and the, the times whatever you've been blaming other people for, you yourself have often been guilty of. After we take our eyes and we look at ourselves, we then allow our eyes to lead our body across the divide. There is a story where somebody came up to Jesus one time and they said, break it down. What, what is required to follow you, to really be a faithful follower? And Jesus said in Luke 10, 27, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. You love your neighbor as yourself. And then uh, Jesus goes on to share the story about what's called the Good Samaritan. And although I don't want to go deeply into this entire passage, here's the basic story. There is a person that is robbed and beaten. And Jesus tells the story that they're left on the side of the road. They're struggling, they're hurting. And in our world today, we recognize that there are people that are struggling and that are hurting. And Jesus, as he tells the story, talks about different Jewish people 
who, as they were walking by, should have helped one of their own, but they didn't. And then Jesus chooses to make a hero in the story what in his culture was the other, what in his culture was the oppressed minority, the Samaritans. And Jesus makes the Samaritan the hero. And this is so important to the time that we live in. This is so important that Jesus tells this story that the good Samaritan, listen to these action words. He saw him, the one that was beaten down. He took pity on him. He went to him. He bandaged his wounds, put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. He gave money to support him and then made a long-term commitment and said, when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses. The hero of this story was someone who is able to cross the division of hatred, the division of anger, the cultural animosity. And that's the challenge that you and I face. Ooh, this is a tough word, isn't it? This is where the gospel gets tough. First of all, I look at myself and looking at myself is hard work to evaluate my inconsistencies and my hypocrisy. I then cross the cultural border, whatever it takes for me to go and serve my neighbor and my neighbor is whoever is in need. And then as if this all wasn't hard enough, this is what Jesus speaking to people like you and I, the world's problems just repeat themselves and the culture that he lived in and taught to is so similar to ours. He gave us an even higher challenge. Jesus said, said, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go the extra mile or go another with them. Do you know what that means? The backstory of that is in that oppressed culture that Jesus grew up in, a Roman soldier, a centurion, could come along to you and hand you their 50 or 60 pound pack and legally demand of you that, they ca that you carry their pack for a mile. Could you imagine being a citizen of an occupied country you resent the Romans, you hate the Romans. And one of their centurions, one of their brute, mean soldiers who's been oppressing you and oppressing your people can tap you on the shoulder and say, you, come carry my pack for a mile. And into that context, Jesus says, not only do you carry the pack a mile, but you're willing to go, and this is where we get the saying, an extra mile with them. What would happen if you and I, in loving our neighbors, decided to go to the extra mile? You're somebody who looks at protesters and they annoy you and they bother you. What if you took an extra mile approach and you chose to love them? 
Now, I'm not talking about endorsing violence. I'm not talking about destroying property. I'm talking about simply listening to other people's opinions that you don't agree with and going the extra mile for them. What if you're somebody that has a little bit of a problem with authority? Either you don't like the politicians telling you what to do, or maybe you're somebody that doesn't like the police telling you what to do. Instead of demonizing them, instead of always assuming the worst for them, what if you had empathy and what if emotionally you carried an extra mile for those that are in authority, for those that are responsible for keeping peace? You see, this is a principle that is so much bigger than our moment. This is the grace of God. This is the love of Jesus Christ that was expressed on the cross. If you and I cannot apply that love, that challenging, difficult, extra mile love, if we can't apply it now, when's it going to be useful? I know this is challenging. I know you're frustrated and angry and hurt. And I talk to so many of you. I feel angry sometimes also. But Jesus called us. Jesus called us to be better people. Jesus called us to recognize sin for sin, to call it out, and to love our neighbor with the type of love people haven't experienced with his love. With a love that surpasses all understanding. Not far from where this church is located, in La Mesa, there was a protest that turned violent, and uh, there was looting. And this was, for many of us, shocking disturbing and put us out of our comfort zone like never before. But I read a story yesterday that captures this idea of loving your neighbor. They were interviewing the owner of Play It Again Sports. He was the man whose business was really damaged and ransacked. And as you can imagine for a business owner, that has spent his whole life investing uh, in this, to see it destroyed and people just to be so, so evil. To break people's property and destroy it is evil. And he was cleaning up the next day and a bunch of people from La Mesa came over, probably around San Diego County, came around to help him. And he got a tap on the shoulder. And it was a teenager. The teenager said, can I talk to you outside? He went outside. The teenager said, I'm one of the people that looted your store. And I want you to forgive me. And I've brought all of the stuff back that I stole. I feel horrible. And in the San Diego Union Tribune, he kind of spoke about how easy it was to forgive and how he remembered being a teenager and he remembered making mistakes. And as I read that story, I almost wanted to cry because that's it. That's human to human, pure personal love expressed, taking the log out of your own eye, crossing the cultural border and going the extra mile in love. This can be our moment as Christ followers. The world 
more than ever before needs to see real love that only Jesus Christ offers us through his Holy Spirit. And I want to invite you, if you've never maybe asked for that love, that supreme love, it's available just by saying, Lord, I want you in my life. And I want to pray right now for you. If you want to commit your life to this higher love, I want to pray for you that are struggling on either side that we would be people that are known by how we love our neighbors. There's nothing new that we're facing that God hasn't already conquered and we can live fully in. Be the body of Christ and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for each person that's watching today. And we are under stress, we are under duress, and we're angry. Depending on how we've raised, what our, how we were raised, what our profession is, and which TV show we watch, we're very angry about something. But you call us, Lord, because you lived and ministered in a world under the same pressures. You call us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We can only do that through your love. So you today, if you want to accept that love of God, maybe for the first time, or you want to once again have God's spirit fall upon you, just raise up your hand and say, Lord, come into me now and give me your peace, your spirit, and your love. And we pray these things in your holy name, Lord. Amen.